0: sermon archives. For more audio sermons, books, blog posts, and other goodies, visit www.pastordavidwenz.com, that's spelled W-E-N-T-Z, and follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I pray God speaks to you as you listen. This is the second half of the sermon that I started last week and uh, didn't have time to finish. So we have the same memory verse. Let's say that together again and uh, repeat after me: Matthew six thirty-three. Matthew six thirty-three. Seek the kingdom of God 6, above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all. Else, God and live righteously. And live righteously. And, and he, righteously. he will give you everything you need. And he will give you everything you give you. Matthew six eight. Matthew six eight. Matthew six 33. six thirty-three. Thirty-three. It is 33. 6, thirty-three. I said eight, but it's thirty-three. All right. Thank you for correcting me on that, Dick. I know my Bible. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. We had we uh, we were talking about the fact that especially with this virus, with all the lockdowns, uh, we have a lot of people in need, and that's part of what's been giving rise to the, the uh, tensions between uh, people wanting to go back to work because they need the money, and people being uh, not wanting to go back to work because there are concerns about the virus. And so we need to be learning to trust God for all of that and our verse our uh, key verse or I'm going to call it a memory verse I think from now on and wish I had started doing that years ago because these are important verses to memorize and get down into your heart but our memory verse for today tells us promises us that God will give us everything we need. Last week, we looked briefly at the fact, or we looked at, and I'm going to recap briefly, the fact that God promises to give us, but we need to know how to receive. Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The problem is not God's ability or God's care, but it's our lack of knowledge of how to appropriate the promises that God has given us. And it's also... Uh, sometimes we just don't know how to ask or don't know enough to ask. We, some people feel like they don't want to bother God with their problems, uh, which is, reveals, I mean, it, it sounds good and it's a nice thought, but it reveals a misunderstanding of God. If that's your feeling, then as they say, your God is too small. God is a loving father who wants to know all of your needs and all of your concerns and all of your desires. He wants to know all of those things like any loving parent does. And he has plenty of ability to uh, listen to you. God is the ultimate multitasker. He can listen to your prayers and answer your prayers at exactly the same time that he is listening to and answering all the other prayers in the world. And it doesn't slow them down a bit. So James 4.2 says you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. God, our loving Father, wants us to ask Him for what we need. In specific, God tells us that He takes care of the hungry and the thirsty. And last week we looked at the stories of Elijah and how God provided for him by having ravens bring food to him during a time of famine. And then by multiplying the food, the uh, the flour and oil that the widow had uh, left in her jar. God didn't let that little uh, bit that was left in the jar run out until the entire famine was over. Another year or two. And Elisha... Uh, a similar kind of a thing. God provided for a widow under Elisha by uh, filling as many big jars as she could gather from all her neighbors out of the few little bits that were left in the one jar that she had, multiplying what she had in the house. God takes care of and the interesting thing is that, that the widow gave to Elijah before she knew that the food would be multiplied. And we'll talk about that again in a minute. God takes care of us through the, um, through, am I missing a page? There we go. I got my pages backwards. Jesus. We saw looked last week at Jesus that he, uh, Multiplied the food. He fed 5,000 people with one lunch, and a few days later he fed 4,000 people out of another one picnic basket. And multiplying food was a minor thing to him. He he warned his disciples about the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and he was using that allegorically, but they thought he was talking about bread, and they're, oh, what are we going to do for bread? And he said, Didn't you learn anything? The bread's not the issue. We can handle that. I fed 5,000, I fed 4,000. The thing is, and this is where we want to start talking today, it wasn't just in Bible times that these kinds of things happen. Jesus said in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. In King James, that's verily, verily. And what he's really saying is, listen up, this one's important. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. Anyone who believes in me, anybody here believe in Jesus? He says, if you, but if you do, he said, we should be able to do the same things Jesus did. And if you look at the context there, he had just been referring to miraculous kinds of signs and wonders of who he was. So he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father, meaning he would be able to send the Holy Spirit who empowered him and also empowers us to do those works. Jesus expects us to do the same things he did and that includes miraculous provision when it's necessary. In other words, pray for miracles and expect them. Now, it wasn't just the apostles. It wasn't just Jesus. It wasn't just the apostles. In Acts 8, in the first verse, it says, a great wave of persecution began sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. And it says, starting in verse 4, the believers who were scattered, remember that doesn't include the apostles, It says the ordinary Christians, the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to see to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Philip was not an apostle. He certainly wasn't Jesus. He was an ordinary believer who did the things that Jesus had done following that verse. And again, that was Bible times, but it's not just Bible times. When we were... uh, shortly out of college, I guess it was, after Elliot and Laurie, some friends of ours uh, from college, uh, got married, and they were typical young uh, family, just starting out, didn't have much money, didn't have a lot of food in the house, because it was just the two of them, and they told us about one time that they had Nothing in the refrigerator except I think a, a, it was a small bowl of something. I believe it was a spaghetti, leftover spaghetti. And they were planning to have that for dinner and then probably go to the store the next day. Might have been payday or whatever. But four guests unexpectedly dropped by at dinner time. I can't remember if it was her parents, but it was uh, another, I think, at least four people came. And Elliot and Laurie are there uh, with just this one little bowl of spaghetti. But Laurie prayed and started serving out of that bowl of spaghetti onto people's plates. And it just multiplied and everybody ate their fill. And there, there was just, there was hardly enough in that bowl for the two of them to eat. But six of them ate their fill out of that little bowl of spaghetti. These things can still happen. In the 1800s, there was a man named George Mueller who ran an orphanage called Ashley Downs in England, and he never asked for money. He never did appeals. He didn't do Facebook donation appeals or send out letters of starving children or anything like that. And There's nothing necessarily wrong with those things, but he didn't do it. He just prayed. He felt like that's how God wanted him to provide for these orphans. It was a big orphanage, and food or money was always given just when needed. There was more than once, you can read about him, there are books about him. More than once, when they sat down at the table and said, gave, said grace over empty plates because there wasn't any food to put on it, thanked God for the food that they believed they were going to receive, and then there was a knock on the door. And they went and there was food on the doorstep more than once. When I was in seminary, we didn't have much money and there was a a time when we were out of groceries and somebody left a bag of groceries on our doorstep and we hadn't asked for it. Our second lesson that Dick read for us talks about how God will provide food and clothing and everything we need. And that's what our our promise is about. But the promise, like most of God's promises, is conditional. God's love is always unconditional, but most of his promises have conditions. So what's the promise in our memory verse? He will give you everything you need. What are the conditions? Well, it starts off with the conditions. Seek the kingdom of God above all else that's the first condition, and live righteously, and that's the second condition. So the widow gave to Elijah, if you remember the story, Elijah came and saw this widow gathering sticks, and he said, can you give me some water? And she said, sure, and he said, can you, while you're at it, give me a little bread? And she said, well, I am just have a little tiny bit of flour and, and oil, and I'm going to make the last bit of bread and give it to my son and I and we're going to eat it and then we're going to starve to death. And Elijah said, but give me a little bit of that too. And she did. And then God multiplied the flour and oil that she had and fed the three of them for the rest of that time. But she was seeking the kingdom of God before uh, she was seeking to expand or extend her life, or even her child's life. She was living righteously by being generous, even at that time of need, and God honored that. So, what do we do to claim these promises, this promise in particular, that God will give us everything we need? Well, first, it begins with when you're not in need. Prepare yourself for when you might be. And there, of course, there are reasonable uh, ways of of doing that, like uh, establishing a savings account and, uh, you know, putting aside something for a rainy day. All of that is very important. But spiritually, you need to prepare yourself also for when you might not uh, have what or you might not be in need, but prepare yourself for when you might be. So how do you do that? Well, you start by fulfilling the conditions of the promise, just so that you will be set in case you ever need to claim the promise. So seek the kingdom of God above all else. That should always be first in our priorities. Let God set your priorities. Let, let, His desire and His will be uppermost in your mind. Let God set the the importance. Let Him, consult Him on how you spend your money, how you spend your time, who you go around with, all of that stuff. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And the second part of it is live righteously. And what does that mean? Well, Basically, it's very simple. John Wesley, founder of Methodism, broke it down this way. He said, Do no harm, do good, and stay close to God. So avoid sin. Don't do things that are going to hurt other people, or don't do things that are going to offend God, things He's told you not to do. But it's not just a negative thing. Do good, do positive good things to help other people and and make the world a better place. And stay close to God. Read the Bible, pray, uh, attend church, if it's either this way or however. Um, Do the things that keep you close to God. Seek the kingdom above all else, live righteously, and then keep alert because God might want you to be the answer to somebody else's prayer. God used the widow to meet Elijah's need. God used somebody, we still don't know who, to put the bag of groceries on our doorstep. How might God use you? That's when you're not in need. And I pray that that's most all of your life. But there may be a time that you will be in need. And when you are in need, pray the promise. It may not be that this is what you need. It may not be that you need food. Um, but whatever it is that you have need of, pray the promise, knowing that you've already been fulfilling the conditions. Because this one, our memory verse for today, is pretty much a blanket promise that covers everything you need, Paul, uh, God, Jesus said. So how do you pray a Bible promise? And we're going to wind up by going quickly through five steps to pray a Bible promise. First, you come boldly to God. That was our first reading. Hebrews 4.16 says, Come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Not our stingy God, not our mean God, not our irritable God, our gracious God. Come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That's Hebrews 4.16. So come boldly. Then remind yourself and God of God's promise. You say, what do you mean remind God? Isaiah 62.6 says, you who remind the Lord, take no rest. Other translations say you who Put God in remembrance. Take no rest and give him no rest until he completes his work, until he fulfills the promise. We are actually commanded to bug God. Keep after him until he gives us an answer. You know, if he absolutely says to you, calm down, it's, it's, it's coming later. You know, then you can, you can slack off and back off. But until you get there, keep going. Find a Bible promise that covers what you need. And if you can't find something in the Bible that covers what you need, you don't need it. Find a Bible promise that covers what you need. And then take no rest and give him no rest. Uh, you may have seen the, the sign that says push. P U S H. Pray until something happens. I think it was, was was it the Eunice Baptist Church? It had that on the the sign there, halfway between Somersville and uh, and uh, and Houston, it had that on their church sign for a while. Pray until something happens. And this is not to bind God to a contract. Not to say, look, God, it says here in the Bible you have to do this. I'm claiming you or else I'm going to sue you. I mean, how are you going to sue God? You know, it's not to bind God to a contract. It's to build your faith so that your faith will be ready to receive and recognize the answer when it comes. So first step, come boldly. Second step, remind yourself and God of God's promise. Third step, don't worry, be happy. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. Don't worry. Be happy. Fourth step, keep the faith. 1 John 5, 14, and 15 says, We're confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. It always pleases God to take care of his children. So you can ask in full faith and confidence. Keep the faith. Ask in faith. And step five is keep on keeping on. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, God is faithful and he will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure. You see, if God answered every prayer immediately, you wouldn't need any faith. So find the promise, come boldly, remind yourself of the promise. Don't worry, uh, let God's peace go and and keep the faith, and then in the meantime, while you're waiting for the answer, keep on keeping on. In the Bible, uh, Abraham and Saul are just a couple of examples of people that got in all kinds of trouble by getting afraid that God was waiting too late, and he wasn't going to come through, and they tried to take things into their own hands. So don't do that. Keep on keeping on. God will provide the way out. So keep on living in faith that God will provide what you need in his own good timing. Not always in yours, but in his. There's a saying, everything will be all right in the end. If everything is not all right, it is not the end. So keep on keeping on until things are all right. God wants to give you everything you need. So when you're in need, pray the promises and expect a miracle. Because that's what God does. Let's say our memory verse one more time. Matthew 6:33. Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God kingdom. above all else. Seek the kingdom of God kingdom above, God God above all, else. all else and live righteously. And live and he will give you everything you need and he will give you everything he will give you everything Matthew 6:33 Matthew listening to this sermon, and I pray it blessed you. Again, I'm Pastor David Wentz, and for more audio sermons, books, blog posts, and other goodies, please visit www.pastordavidwentz.com. That's spelled W-E-N-T-Z. And follow me on Facebook or LinkedIn. May God bless you as we do Christianity together. See you next time.